there was an emergency and I was like, we need to do this now. And she looked at me and she's like, are you okay? I was like, no, we need to do this now. I need you to call them. And she's like, Archie said, do it now. Call them, call them. An emergency is about to happen (laughs) because apparently I sounded not as calm as I normally am. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome. You're listening to Health Careers with Dr. Martin a podcast show that pulls back the curtain on what a career in health and wellness is really like. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Mart. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for joining me on another fantastic episode. I have another great guest for you guys today. I am blessed to have her on because her career, her occupation has really helped save lives during this pandemic here in 2021 and even 2020. And I am so fortunate to find somebody in this profession that is actually not only available, but really loves her career and what she's doing and how she's uh, helping people. And you're going to hear that and you understand why after listening to her. So we are going to be talking with Amy Eaton. She is a registered respiratory therapist and otherwise known as an RRT. And sometimes we refer to it as RT. And she will explain how she is helping people and really having a positive effect on patients, even outside of COVID. And you also learn about different settings in which RTs can work. But before we get started, please, if you like this episode or this podcast, please hit that like button on whatever podcast app you are using. That would really help bring attention of the podcast to other people that are seeking such a resource to help them out. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. We have another fantastic guest with us, of course. We have a Miss Amy Eaton, who's in Las Vegas. Amy, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) It is wonderful to have you on, especially since during this pandemic, we're going to talk about your career, which and your career has been very impactful and important with what's going on, of course, in our current world right now with the pandemic. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, my name's Amy Eaton, and I went to school and live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been a registered respiratory therapist for a little over three years now. So by the time the pandemic hit, I think I had just hit a year, maybe a little bit over. So that was definitely interesting to get into. Um, Yeah. Before that, though, um, I really started, you know, using social media to try to teach people about my profession, because I love being a respiratory therapist, we deal with the cardiopulmonary system, mechanical ventilation or life support. And there were a lot of people that didn't realize what we did. So I thought it would be fun and interesting to start some of those conversations. And now I'm here. All right. Now, what are the usual steps to achieve your professional degree? So it's a minimum of an associate's degree. So that's about two years to start, uh, not counting your prerequisites. And then after you obtain your associate's degree, we actually have two board exams we have to sit through. Yeah, we have two. I know we're a little extra. (laughs) They really, heart and lungs are important. They really want to make sure we know our stuff. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, So the first one's very simple. It's like a multiple choice exam. And then we actually have to do something called a clinical simulation exam, where we're given various scenarios of very sick patients from the neonatal to geriatric population. And we have to resolve whatever issues presented in the clinical scenario. All right. So you basically associate's degree, 
and then you sit for the two exams and you're in. Yep, as long as you pass them. <laughs> I think there's about a 50 or 60% pass rate on those board exams, though. They're pretty tough. Oh, Corey, wow. That's yeah. pretty hard. So basically, after high school, you can go get a associate's degree. And within how many years can you, what's the shortest duration from when you start your associate's degree to when you become a, an RRT on average? Two to four years, depending on the type of school you go to. Okay. Because there are trade schools where they incorporate your prerequisites and it's all very rapid, which is what I did um, a little later in life, though. So you can graduate and get your degree and start working within two years. I had classmates that by the time they were 20, 21, were already working in level one trauma centers. So you can, wow. you can start out fast. Yeah, it goes by fast also. Wow, that is that is really quick, yeah. especially when you're taking care of some. We're going to get to it, into it later, but you really take care of some real sick patients and situations. We really do, yeah. Yeah. What is the best part of your career? Since we deal with so many age ranges and also we don't stay in one area of the hospital, there's been times where I've been able to follow a patient's progression from entering the hospital, going into ICU, and then watching them be able to walk out and leave and see them in every area of the hospital and watch them heal and progress and get better and kind of share in that almost like a triumph or victory for them, getting to see their face when they realize that they're getting to go home. I think that's one of my favorite things. Oh, great. That sounds very satisfying. What's the least favorite part of your career? Uh, well, so since we deal with the heart and lungs, um, we are the ones that remove life support. So that can be quite difficult. That's probably my least favorite part. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, that can be quite tough. What are the three highlights of your profession? that people should know about. Another way to phrase it is what are some misconceptions people have maybe? So doing respiratory, depending on the area, there are certain floors that we are more active on than others. Uh, critical care and emergency medicine is our bread and butter. So if someone's not in that area, sometimes they think all we do are breathing treatments or incentive spirometers. And our scope of practice covers much much wider than that. We do intubations, arterial lines, uh, vascular access, manage life support. So we definitely do more than breathing treatments. Although a breathing treatment can change somebody's life depending on what they're there for. <laughs> so I think that's probably the biggest one. And then we do need, a, like we talked about, at least an associate's degree and we have board exams. Some people do think it's on the job training because many, many, many years ago it used to be, but it's no longer like that. So it does require a degree and we get paid pretty well too. I've had people ask me if I get paid minimum wage or they'll think I'll get that I get paid barely above it. But I think that again, goes along with the misconception of what our job involves. So we get paid much better than a lot of people think. Can you speak to what the typical starting salary would be for an RRT? It varies widely throughout the country. I think if you go to the Southern states and on the East coast, they get paid quite a bit less than on the West Coast and Central. It can be anywhere from sixty dollars to $100,000, depending on the area, if not more. And also if you specialize. Starting. S starting, yeah. I think I started like 55 wow. as a new grad, somewhere around there, which for two years of schooling is not bad. Yeah, yeah. And less debt too that you yeah. probably picked up. Mm -hmm. So what's your typical day like then, Amy? Tell us what you... What's a typical day like for you? I know not every day is the same, but when do you show up? What do you do during the day? How do you start your day? How do you end it? When do you usually leave? 
So right now uh, I work in a level one trauma facility and depending on the floor I'm working on, it can be very different because I think I mentioned that most respiratory therapists rotate throughout the hospital. If I am in ICU, I work night shift right now. Um, so mm. it's 12 hour shifts, usually three 12 hour shifts a week, which is great for work-life balance, but night shift is rough. Um, <laughs> so I start around 6.30 at night and you start by getting report, getting report on your patients from whoever had them during the day. And then after that, I personally go in and review patients' charts and labs and x-rays to kind of get an idea of who my sickest patients are so I can prioritize the care I'm providing. Pre-pandemic, rounding was at a very specific time. So I would you know, go around if I was in the ICU with the physicians as they're talking about different patients' treatment plans. And it kind of helped me figure out what direction we were trying to go, what our goals were for the plan of care. And then I could also, you know, ask questions or give suggestions if there was something that was concerning me or something I thought maybe could be added to that care plan. So after that, then you start your patient care, whether that's, you know, doing checks for life support or mechanical ventilation, making sure that everything's functioning properly, that it's the appropriate settings for the patient, and then just basic patient care. But the main thing is, is respiratory therapists are generally also responsible for all patients and their unit. So if there is an emergency response that's called overhead, a code blue, or a trauma activation, we're required to go to those. Even if that patient wasn't initially on our services, the airway is our responsibility. And we're usually one of the first people in the room. So it, it can it can either be very smooth or a little hectic, depending on um, how many emergencies there are that night. Amy, you did talk about scope practice. So can you go into more detail, a little bit more what you're doing? So you, you're actually trained to actually put a breathing tube in to patients. You're able to manage the ventilator. Can you just talk about some of the details about what you do typically in your scope of practice? Yeah, sure. So each hospital is a little bit different. Right now, I work at a teaching facility, so they like to have the residents learn how to intubate. There are facilities that the RTs are the only ones intubating, though, or it's runoff of protocols, basically. Um, And some of those protocols are in place not only to allow the respiratory therapist to intubate, but to allow for that medication to be pushed, because unfortunately, I cannot, you know, give paralytics and sedatives as a respiratory therapist. So in school, they do train you to place an endotracheal tube through the mouth and then, you know, into the lungs to help ventilate and support a patient. Some clinical rotations, if it's in an area where the RTs widely do the intubations, they'll have them go into the OR and practice intubations for patients that are doing elective surgeries. And then after that point, if an emergency situation comes up, they'll have their preceptor and a physician there available and they will start learning how to do that in active practice during emergencies. So it's it's actually really, it's really interesting. A lot of people don't realize that we can do that. Well, I didn't even know you did vascular access. Yeah, Are you actually yeah. putting like central lines into major vessels or just peripheral IVs? So again, that depends on the facility, but they do both. And a lot of times they like respiratory therapists to be on those teams because if we're already doing arterial lines and arterial blood gases, and used to using some of that equipment to do that. It's just a little extra training on top of that. I mean, more than a little, but you know. <laughs> so it's very procedure oriented, yes. Amy, in your your job. It really Got is. It. We do a um, lot of procedures. Do you 
you mentioned being in a hospital, but do respiratory therapists ever work outside of a hospital? Yeah. Um, so a lot of respiratory therapists will work at pulmonologist's office or sleep labs. They can work at long-term care facilities, education, research. There's a lot of different avenues you can go into, but I think the primary one that you're going to see respiratory therapists at is going to be within hospitals because, as I mentioned before, our bread and butter is critical care and emergency medicine. So, which is why RTs are usually some of the calmest people you'll ever meet. I once had a nurse tell me there was an emergency and I was like, we need to do this now. And she looked at me and she's like, are you okay? I was like, no, we need to do this now. I need you to call them. And she's like, Archie said, do it now. Call them, call them. An emergency is about to happen. <laughs> because apparently I sounded not as calm as I normally am. But so anytime, <laughs> anytime an RT says there is an emergency, usually people are like, oh man, we got to do something. We got to do it quick. <laughs> um, good to know. Um, what, Amy, tell me some of the situations, maybe a, a situation where, whether it's recently or in the past, maybe in your work, how you really had an impact on someone where your work was very impactful to somebody? Not very long ago. I went into a business and I'm talking to someone and I'm kind of looking at some tattoos they had on their arm. And I was looking at them and I was like, man, they, uh, those tattoos look familiar. Maybe, you know, maybe I've just seen them on Instagram or something similar, but wow, they're really beautiful. Like, man, this looks so familiar. And this person started looking back at me a little bit oddly. We're kind of looking at each other and, you know, just conducting business. And they asked me, oh, where do you work? So I tell them where I work and they kind of make a face again. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, because it's a pandemic. So I was like, oh, they're going to get scared or get freaked out. And they were like, what do you do? And so I told them, I told them I was a respiratory therapist. And usually I just tell people, hey, I'm a respiratory therapist. I deal, you know, with life support, the heart and lungs. Very simple, quick explanation. And they looked at me and they said, I think you took care of me when I got really sick. And this specific person had gotten really sick while they were pregnant and ended up having to have an emergency C-section. And it was just the craziest moment because they're crying. I'm crying. They're showing me pictures of their beautiful little baby and how oh. they're doing. And see, I'm like getting all emotional thinking about it. Um, so it was, that was the, probably one of the craziest and most amazing things that has happened. Because a lot of times, especially when you work in the hospital, you, you know, someone's left, but you don't get to see how they're doing after. So just getting to talk to them and having them, basically tell me that it was nice to have someone so calm in the room and talking to them because during an emergency, it can get loud, it can get chaotic. But I always try to make sure I'm focusing on the patient since I'm right at the head of the bed, right before we put in breathing tubes. And I'll talk to them whether, whether I know if they're going to remember it or not, depending on how sick they are. I always talk to people. I try to give them some reassuring words and calmness. And apparently this person remembered it and I ran into them. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. That is great. You know, it's, you're right. You know, for a lot of the um, hospital-based occupations, you know, radiology, anesthesiology, respiratory therapists, we don't get to see the patients outside of work or even yeah. in the clinic setting. It's, uh, it's in, sometimes often in, in these acute settings and we don't really get to see, you know, how they're doing afterwards. So I, that's great to know that you had you had a profound effect on that moment for them, especially during a birth of their kid. So that's uh, that's great that you 
you left that that mark. I want to change gears a little bit, Amy. Sure. I want to talk a little bit about the professional outlook. How do most people get into RT? You mentioned the typical requirements to get in, but do most people follow that course or do people come from other professions? Because respiratory therapy isn't a widely known profession, um, it's going to become a little bit more known because of the pandemic, but a lot of people, this is not their first career. So, and not everybody comes from a background in medicine. I came from banking. (laughs) Other people will come from, you know, EMS, stuff like that, or CNA. Uh, CNA? Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of coworkers that used to be certified nursing assistants and then went into respiratory respiratory therapy after. Got it. So they come from all over. A lot of times it's people that are looking to be in the medical profession and maybe, maybe nursing doesn't call to them or maybe they had respiratory issues as a child and they think back to that and they go, "I, I could do that. I think that's a field I would be interested in. So Usually it's just people kind of exploring or having an experience somewhere and meeting a respiratory therapist. That's what it was for me. I had no idea what respiratory therapy was before I did it, to be honest. <laughs> as crazy as it Jumping sounds, into something here I am. Yeah, yeah I, I started looking it up and I, after an experience and I was like, oh, hey, that's that sounds amazing. I want to do that. That sounds great. <laughs> um, what do you think the future outlook is like, Amy, for respiratory therapists? We already... Um, have a shortage and especially because we do not know how COVID is going to affect people long term and those that did leave a lot of people are leaving with respiratory issues and we do have an aging population so we're definitely going to need a lot more people that specialize in the lungs so i think that's going to increase the need for respiratory therapists even more and we're already seeing that need at this moment they cannot have enough RTs fast enough. <laughs> so the demand, the supply, the supply of RTs is low. The demand is high, and you foresee that's going to be likely true for the next few years. I, I think it will be. And is it hard to get into these RT programs? Each one's a little bit different. Usually, there's um, an exam you have to take to make sure you're proficient in at least basic mathematics, English things of that sort. And then you have to get recommendations and have decent grades. And yeah, it can be tough, depending. It's getting tougher now because there are so many people applying now, now that they realize what respiratory therapy is. Yeah, I know a few people that work at uh, schools, specifically in RT programs, and they said they've had some of the highest application rates within the last year and a half since the pandemic started. So I think that's going to make it a little bit more difficult, maybe. So it might be a little bit more competitive, yeah. Yeah. All right. What type of students do you think best flourish in this career as an RT? So you need to be curious because we do a lot of procedures and you do learn a lot in school, but you need to be able to think critically and uh, be quick on your feet and be ready for anything because a lot of your learning is going to come in those clinical rotations that you do because most things are not textbooks. So you you won't know a situation until you run into it. So as long as you're curious, eager to learn, humble, easy to teach, I think those are going to be your biggest things. They're tough courses, but the most important thing is being able to apply that knowledge in clinical practice. Let's change it now to about you. Oh, gosh. Amy, let's find a... <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're not, we will not dive too deep, <laughs> but how did you get into 
RT, how did that even come about as a career option for you? So I was kind of looking around and wanted, like we were talking about earlier, I wanted something in healthcare. I have a lot of family in healthcare, but those areas just kind of weren't calling to me. I, I had heard a lot of things. I had read a lot of things. I saw it growing up. And I was kind of thinking back to a situation just while I was researching medical careers. I was thinking back to a situation I had where I had a very sick family member. And like I was telling you before, when there's an emergency in the room, usually RTs are some of the calmest people in the room until the code team arrives, basically. And I happened to be in the room while there was a medical emergency occurring for a family member. And there was somebody at the head of the bed that was just really calm and kind of talking to people about what we needed to do while they were waiting for the doctors to get there. And they were just so calm and reassuring to everyone kind of around them. And even after it was the same person that would come into the room and help with my family member and kind of explain what the mechanical ventilator was doing, what was going on. And they were just so nice and calm all the time. And I kind of remember thinking, what does that person do? Why are they so calm in these situations? I want to learn more about that. So then I kind of fell down a little research hole and ran across respiratory therapy and the funny thing is, is that I ended up working with that person after I graduated. Too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It was years later, years and years later. That's awesome. Wow. What a small world. Yeah. It was the hospital I always wanted to work at because it's our level one trauma center out here. And one day I walked into work and I was like, oh my God, that's them. That's the person. They're still here. Did you tell them that you, they had an impact on I didn't. On no. <laughs> I was so nervous. I thought that they wouldn't remember. I never told them. And they retired maybe like... Well, they retired a few months after I started. So then they retired and then they moved away. And I was like, now I'm never going to get to tell them. My goodness. I told other people later. So I'm sure they heard. Of course. (laughs) Just listen to me on my podcast or my Instagram or social media feed. You'll figure it out. (laughs) Okay. So... Well, how would you describe yourself as a student, though, leading up to getting to RT school? In high school, I was probably not the best student. I got everything done. I did graduate a little bit early, but I was just very, let's get it done, get it out of the way type of thing. In RT school, um, I feel like anything in healthcare, you have to study for it differently than any other type of course. Maybe that was just my experience. I felt like the studying was different. The material was different. Um, I just had never taken courses like that. I did anatomy and physiology in school, and that was about the extent of the the body system. I I didn't do things like uh, physics or a lot of chemistry. So it was just a lot of new information that I felt like I needed to study more. So I was very studious in school. We would do, you know, study groups, and I was usually the one asking a lot of questions and always in the lab, practicing things, trying to get my hands on stuff because I'm a very hands-on learner. And when you're learning concepts, that can be difficult. So you have to try to find a way to apply these theories and make it into something physical so that you can get your hands on it and learn a little bit better. So I was very involved (laughs) in in RT school specifically. I was always at the school. Sounds like you were also very much into learning about that topic too. Yeah, you yeah, I loved it. You really want to learn a lot. Yeah, I was really interested in it. And 
to be honest, I, I was I was a little scared the more we started getting into it because I was like, oh my God, these are people's lives. I really need to like be on top of this. This is a lot of information. And I ended up graduating with almost a 4.0, which was really cool. Um, so, I mean, it worked, but I was I was always at the school. That was my life. Just eating, breathing, dreaming, respiratory therapy. <laughs> Is there anything on hindsight that you would have done differently, Amy? I wish I would have done it sooner. I wish I would have done it sooner. Oh. I know it's crazy, especially being in the middle of the pandemic, but I love my profession so much. I'm really bummed out that I didn't find it and get into this earlier. Just, I don't know, it's, it, it might be weird, wow. but I love what I do. And I really, I could nerd out about the lungs and mechanical ventilation for hours. So uh, the fact that, you know, it took me until my late 20s to do it is kind of a bummer to me. I wish I would have done it earlier, but I wouldn't be in the place I am now. Yeah. I want to go throw some questions at you. <laughs> what I call these rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How long can you hold your breath for? Can I test it? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to say a minute, but that might be a lie. Me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll just we'll just say that we don't know that one yet. Okay. Favorite type of food for dinner? Oh God, I love sushi. I love sushi and really random but i love tofu also don't judge me <laughs> okay least favorite type of music country i can't do it but i do like some country i don't okay. like I, I don't know how to describe it newer country maybe i don't know i like old country okay what's your favorite clothing brand uh ah panicking uh converse i don't know i think that shoes <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll go with that um now i think you like that outdoors so what's your favorite outdoor activity hiking oh scrambling it's like hiking with lots of climbing i love it if you well this is kind of uh if you could live in a different state besides the one you live in now and where you're going where would you consider living uh i would consider living in colorado or uh, maybe maybe Tennessee just for outdoor stuff. Okay. If you were a superhero, what superpower would you want? Ooh, super speed. <laughs> Your hometown, you're going to be leaving it. You're leaving to go to to Oregon. Yes. Um and are you going to miss your hometown? Of course. I'm going to miss the people here. I you know, I this is the only place I've worked. So also, you know, RT wise, it's going to be a whole new world and I've got family and friends here. So I'm going to miss it, but I'll come back to visit. And what do you feel the most proud of? All of the accomplishments, all of the amazing things I've gotten to do just by doing something I love and helping people. It's I think back on some of the amazing opportunities I've gotten. I'm like, wow, is this my life? This is it. This is real. <laughs> You sound like you had a great path and, and you've been on a great path and you've been really helping a lot of people. So that's, I think it's really, uh, it's really awesome that you were able to come on the podcast and talk about it. So thank you so much, uh, Amy. But before we leave, where can listeners go to reach you or learn more about you and what you're yeah, doing? Um, I am pretty active on Instagram. You can find me at breathe underscore RRT and uh, I do a lot of talking to new grads and answering questions for people that are interested in the profession. And I my stories are used a lot for education and different research and pieces of information oh, okay. I come across. 
or just fun memes. You know, it's, it's kind of a mix, but that's where you can find me. And I'm always happy to answer questions and talk to people too. Hey, if you're interested in Amy and her, um, her profession, check out her Instagram feed. She definitely gives her, uh, of course, unique take on what's going on. And uh, who knows, maybe you might be interested in, in this profession. So Amy, thank you so much. It's been really wonderful to talk to you and just learn a little bit more about how you're helping people in a very important profession. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been really fun talking to you. I'm happy you invited me. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's our show today. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about today's guests or other past guests, just check out my website, healthcareerswithdrmarn.com or hcwithdrmarn.com. Of course, if you like what you heard on this podcast, then please go to my website, add your name and email to my email list. That way you can get the latest announcements and news as they arise. You can also find me on Instagram at drrichardmarn. That's Dr. Richard Marn. Thank you so much for listening and catch you on the next episode.